Let us pray. Our Father, thank you for allowing us to gather this morning to worship you, to give you all praise and glory, to thank you for so much that you have done for us, Lord, through our Savior and Lord Jesus Christ. Father, thank you for showing your mercy to us, each every one this morning. Thank you now that we're at that point in a time and service where we have an opportunity to hear from your word. Father, as that song has indicated and has definitely emphasized, Lord, bless the preaching of your word. May we receive, Lord, your word in truth. May we receive it in faith and in humbleness. Thank you for all who are here this morning. Bless it abundantly, O God. Tune it to what pleases you, and we give thanks to you for it. Through Christ our Savior and Lord, we pray. Amen. Thank you for Christ Bible Church, the elders, and all of you for allowing me to share God's word with you today. It has been a great honor and privilege to be with each and every last one of you. And I'm actually saddened that the only place that seems to work out is quite a many miles away from here. But though we might be far, we're still near and dear to our hearts. We're still being here in spirit. So we love each and every last one of you. And by all means, we will definitely come back and visit. It is definitely our intention to do so. And so we'll be in prayer for all of you, be in prayer for all of us. And so thank you again for allowing me to share God's word with you this morning. Our focus today is coming from 2 Timothy 4, verses 1 through 5. And while it was just read a moment ago, I want to read it again so that it permeates in our mind. Again, the reading of the text, 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 1 through 5. I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is the judge to living and the dead, and by his appearing in his kingdom, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. As for you, always be sober-minded, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. As we look at our text today, Paul's command, a weighty and hefty charge to this young pastor named Timothy, charging him to preach the word. Today we live in a culture where the definition and meaning of things are changing, whether that be the family, the church, a woman, a pastor, a medical procedure, or even the Bible itself. We have become a society that is postmodern and post-Christian, a society that is attempting to redefine itself in every scale to the point where we are becoming a world seeking to create a new man without Christ, a new world without Christ, new rules without Christ, a world where we would own nothing and be happy. 
a world where man becomes God and God becomes meaningless. In light of these persistent evils of our time, our text commands us to preach the word. There are three major ideas I want to cover this morning concerning this charge given to Timothy by the Apostle Paul. First, we must preach God's word because we're charged to do so in all of life. Second, we must preach the word due to the present perishing desire for truth. And thirdly, we must preach the word because we have a mission to complete. My goal is to encourage all of us as Christians to be bold, strong, courageous, and proclaiming God's word to the people of our world, especially since we're in a time that our text describes a people who are myth-seekers rather than truth-hearers. First, we must preach God's word because we are charged to do so in all of life. Revisit verses 1 and 2. I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who was to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearance and his kingdom, preach the word. Paul's command here is to preach the word. But what exactly does that mean? That could mean a lot of things nowadays. So let me give you an idea. A, different, a dictionary definition would be to preach, proclaim, to tell, often urging acceptance of the message with warnings of consequences for not doing so. You can think of this in a way where you tell a young child why you don't ever talk to strangers and you warn them of the consequences as to why you shouldn't do that. Or think of when you're driving down the street, you have road signs that is warning you of imminent danger and it warns you that if you do not obey, your life will perish. You are in great danger. That is to say, preaching can take on many forms and yet the most often form is the vocal proclamation, a verbal explanation, a verbal warning, leading people to consider what is being said and respond accordingly. What then is one to preach according to this text? According to what we see here, preaching the word, it is, again, what it points to is the preaching of God, the preaching of the word, the word made flesh, the word that was in the beginning and I was with God, essentially preaching Jesus, preaching our Savior and our Lord. Timothy was charged to preach Jesus. Despite the spirit of the age that deceives all people, we preach Christ. We are preaching him and everything that he taught and everything that he modeled and exampled for us. Another way to think about this is that we preach the Bible. We preach what the Bible says. We preach what the Bible teaches. And everything, Old Testament and New Testament, we preach the entire thing. The solution to the problems of our society and our state our homes, and our churches is to preach the word of God. 
It is a charge to all who have been called by God to follow him to uphold, every last one of us, not necessarily for preachers and teachers, although that is also true as well. But all who name the name of Christ have been called to proclaim his word. So we preach God's word. What does that involve? If it involves God's word, then does it involve just the gospel? Does it involve just a few things here and there? First, it involves a couple of different things. First, it involves the gospel of Christ. And then secondly, it involves the entire counsel of God, or what I like to call the totality of God's word. First, the gospel. 1 Corinthians 15, 3 and 4. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried and that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. 2 Corinthians 15, 18 and 20 says this, All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against him, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. This is the heart and plan of God's message to us, through our Savior and Lord, Jesus Christ. Hear what the Gospel of John says in John 3, 16 through 18. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. But God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Verse 18. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already, because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. If someone here is not in Christ, you need to repent of your sins, your evil deeds, and place your faith in Jesus Christ, and let him save you. For unless you believe that Jesus is the Messiah, you will die in your sin. 2 Corinthians 5, the rest of 20 and 21 reads, We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. And there is no salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven among, given among men by which we must be saved. Acts 4.12. For there is one God, and there is one mediator between God and men, the man, Christ Jesus. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. For those of us who have put our faith in this gospel, to those who believe, the gospel is our hope, our strength, our daily call to holiness and obedience. We do not stop heeding and obeying simply because we initially believed, but we continue to believe this. The gospel 
is the power of God unto salvation to those who believe. It is our hope. It is everything to us. We just observed it today in the communion table. We confessed our sins. Jesus says in the epistle of John that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. This is so out of response to the gospel. It is still something we believe even now. We simply just don't have initial moment of belief and that's it. It continues and we need it daily. Preaching the word of God then involves sharing the gospel, proclaiming the gospel of salvation through Jesus Christ our Savior. But it involves another thing as well. It involves the whole counsel of God, the totality of God's word. Listen to Matthew 28, 18 through 20. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. Notice here in these verses that Christ said everything, not just things pertinent to salvation. Just not going to teach them to be saved and that's it. Teach them everything. Preaching God's word is preaching what God has said about the entire universe down to the foundational matters like the creation of man, woman, and society down to the lesser, seemingly everyday mundane things of life, like eating and drinking. 2 Peter 1, 3 and 4 says this, His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness, through the knowledge of him who has called us to his own glory and excellence, by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises, so that through them you might become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. The knowledge of God that he has entrusted to us comes from the scriptures, the Holy Bible, by which we live and know and obey God. The Bible is God's word, all sufficient in what it contains about our holy God and his son, Jesus Christ. Granting us understanding of him by the illumination of the Holy Spirit, leading us into a new creation, a new life, a restored and a renewed mind. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. God's word is profitable for teaching us, reproving us, for correcting us, and training us in righteousness as men, as women, as children, as husbands and wives, parents and children, brothers and sisters, to be children of God. In short, the totality of God's word is the message, ministry, and mastery of Christ in all of creation, in all areas of life, including the home, the government, the church, 
even in a marketplace, private and public life. God has spoken to all, so all need to listen and obey. Another way to put this, this preaching God's word in all of life, another way to put this, preaching the word of God is about glorifying God by bringing all of Christ into all of life. Preaching the word of God is about glorifying God by bringing all of Christ into all of life. Our charge, then, is like that of a U.S. soldier, a judge, a governor, a president, or a correction officer. They must all take a solemn oath of office or duty to execute and uphold the laws of the U.S. Constitution, both at home and foreign and abroad. The same is true for us in light of God's word. Our oath of office is to uphold and execute the preaching of God's word in all its fullness, as God grants us understanding and strength, both here and abroad, in our home and at the workplace, in the kitchen and in a public square, to those who are perishing as well as those who are being saved. No matter where we are and when we are, we take Christ into all of life, the schoolhouse, the jailhouse, the church house, the home house. There is no dimension in life where Christ is off limits, whether it be the pulpit or politics, be it private or public education, secular or Christian education, medical and non-medical, presidents, justices, lawmen, teachers, bureaucrats, doctors, farmers, baristas, pastors, deacons, congregation, whether offline or online, metaverse or universe, we take Christ into all areas of life. That is preaching God's word. When and how long do we do this? Because all that's well and great. We all go out there, we preach the gospel to one another, we preach the gospel out to the world. How long do we do it? And when do we do it? 2 Timothy 4.2, the second half. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. At the most convenient times, at the most challenging times. When things are at peace, when things are in chaos, when there is a pandemic, when there is no pandemic. Today, tomorrow, the days now, the days ahead. When there is sorrow, when there is smiling. When there is death, when there is life. When there is hunger, when there is fullness. Whether threat of prison and enslavement, whether there be life of freedom and liberty, all situations at all times proclaim the word of God. We are to do this no matter the condition and change of our culture. The word of God is for all conditions and all seasons in life, even if it goes against the laws of the land, even at the fear of being maligned, being canceled, possibly killed. Hear the words of the Apostle Paul in Acts 17, 30 and 31. The times of ignorance God overlooked, 
But now he commands all people everywhere to repent, because he has fixed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by a man whom he has appointed. And of this he has given assurance to all by raising him from the dead. We are to preach, rebuking, reproving, exhorting, meaning taking all of that, calling people everywhere to repent, respond rightly to the decrees of God. 2 Corinthians 10, verses 4 through 6. The weapons of our warfare are not of flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds, to destroy arguments, every lofty opinion raised up against the knowledge of God, and to take every thought captive to obey Christ, being ready to punish every disobedience when your obedience is complete. This means we preach also what Christ affirms as obedience. What is good, holy, right, and just, proper, and protected. We preach, therefore, against those things that are contrary to God's will. We preach according to those things. We preach against sin, and we preach righteousness. Put this another way. We preach what is holy, what is good, and what is true. Not what is often accepted, not what is often affirming, and we don't preach apostasy. Another way to think about this reproving, this correcting, and this rebuking is this. We correct the wrong ideas using scripture. We call out wrong behavior and thinking associated with that disobedience the text talked about. And then we encourage others to respond rightly and appropriately according to God's gospel and according to his word, calling all men everywhere to repent and obey Christ. So how long do we preach? Do we preach for a season? Do we preach until, okay, well, you know what, we're all done, so let's just go ahead and just stop preaching God's word. They're not listening, so let's not worry about it at all. How long do we keep doing this? Matthew 24, 14. And this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. We preach until the whole world hears the good news of Jesus Christ that those whom God calls will respond to his most precious calling. Until Christ returns to restore all things fully in their place, the gospel will go forth like a rider on a horse, charging to and fro with mighty steps, treading on all who would stand in his way. For as God says in Isaiah 55, 10 and 11, he says this, For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven, and do not return there, but water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater. So shall my word that goes from my mouth, out of my mouth, it shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose 
and shall succeed in a thing for which I sent it. Let us be brave and unashamed and faithful in carrying out our charge before our commanding officer, whose words reign supreme. And to where do we preach? Everywhere, of course, or in all of life. All of Christ and all of life, no more, no less. No area or thought or dimension is off limits. Christ and all or Christ and nothing. Christ must and will be dominant in all things, especially in all of our life. We must be free to preach Christ, for this is our liberty. For, we, for to live is to die unto Christ, and to die is to gain all for Christ. For Christ be all, and I be nothing. We are ordered to preach the word of God because we have been charged to do so. That is Paul's charge to Timothy, and that is his charge to us. Secondly, we must preach the word due to the present perishing desire for truth. Recall the next few verses, the couple verses of Timothy, Timothy 4, 3 and 4. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. Now, the idea here, they will no longer give an ear to what is healthy, but they will listen to that which is diseased, that which is poison, that which is a lie, that which is not sound, and by sound we mean pure, reasonable. It is within the standard rule of orthodoxy and faith. That is, it is indeed according to what God has spoken. They will not want to hear that. But rather, what they will do is that they will turn their ears from it. They will gather for themselves a drone of false teachers who will tell them exactly what they would rather hear. This idea here behind itching ears has this idea of tickling, to scratch. They have an inkling to desire to pleasure their own passions, to scratch and itch after that, to go after what feels good, even though it leaves them destitute, distraught, in a state of destruction. This is shown how they turn aside from the truth. That is, they are pleasure seekers. They are enslaved by their desires rather than truth seekers, enslaved by the spirit of truth. And the idea here again, here's what is true. I'm going to go this way. I'm going to turn my ear and I'm going to go in this direction. I want to go, I hear what you're saying, that's all well and good and that is true, but I don't want to hear it. So I'm just going to talk to the ear, talk to this side over here. That's what I'm going to do. That's what our text teaches us. They will move away their ear from truth and turn to listening to things that are made up, to myths. 
They would rather listen to fables and things that are made up nonsense, things that just don't make any sense, other than turning it to Christ. And they're going to go after people who are going to tell them what they want to hear. They're going to go find these teachers and say, hey, we don't want to hear that. Tell us this. Tell us it's okay. Go ahead. Tell us that God is a woman. Go ahead. Go and tell us that. Go ahead that we don't have to, we don't have to repent of sin in order to be saved. Go, go, go ahead and just tell us that. Tell us it is okay to live in our sin and God still approves of us. Go ahead and just tell us that because we don't want that other stuff. Nah, mm-mm, icky, uh-uh, mm-mm. We, we don't want that. Think, of, think about things that you've already heard. Critical race theory. The, well, you know what, well, God loves you so much, that whole thing, which he does, but there's a context to that. Or virtue signaling. Let's just do it because everybody else is doing it, even though there's no substance to it. Or let's just focus on the people rather than focusing on God. Let's just do that. Many churches, they're being instructed and formulated to please and tickle the ears of the people rather than the holy majesty of God. A recent survey that Pastor Levi talked about last week confirms this trend, and I'll just call it to our minds. Remember that it reported that only, 60, that only 37 of pastors had a biblical worldview, which means the majority of that number, the majority, the 62 of them, did not. They believe in Christ, and they believe in something else, meaning they don't believe the purity of Scripture. They don't really believe God's Word as intended. They want to hold on to Christ, but they want to hold on to other things. And they want to blend the two together, and that's how they live. That's their measure of faith, rather than letting God's word be the measure in and of itself. They don't believe sola scriptura. They believe in Christ and something else, someone else. They have a religion, but they deny its power. They have none. This is what I would also call a mythical worldview. These 62% of pastors, they have a mythical worldview because it's not a biblical one. These people will turn their ears away from the truth. They go after teachers who will tell them what they want to hear even to the point where they put them and equip them in churches and they teach them to go out and do likewise. They don't desire a church like this, a a church like Christ's Bible. Why would they want a church like this? Well, we'll teach you the truth, where we teach you the centrality of God's word, teach you to actually love God, teach you what the gospel is, teach you to apply all of Christ and all of life. We'll teach you those things. We'll tell you the truth. We'll tell you when you're stumbling. And we'll do so because we love you. We want you to be right with God. That is what we're going to tell you. But that's not what they want to hear. They don't want to hear that. It means, we look at our text, there will be more people that sit in churches where they say, God is your friend. And hold up the Bible and say, yeah, I believe all this is really good, but you know what? You're friends with God. 
They would rather listen to that than listen to what is being said this morning or what is being sung. That's what that means. While the scripture, however, says many in this verse, it doesn't say all will turn away from the truth. Notice that. Not all. There are some who will believe. There are some who will still listen to the truth today. And there are still many today who desire the truth of God's word. And we want to make sure that we're delivering on that, that we are preaching God's word accordingly for those who will listen. This brings us then to our last point. Notice, however, before I get there, Paul could have told Timothy that in light of these people not adhering to the truth, he could have told him, okay, well, Paul, I I get that. I get you're telling me that many are going to not want to hear with the truth. So how should I respond? What do I need to do? How can I make sure that they listen to me? Well, you know, Paul could have said, okay, well, here's what you do. Here's what you do in response to that. Be culturally sensitive to their issues and try to relate to them. Just use some analytical tools to figure out what they don't like, what they want to hear. Figure out what's going on. Use these tools over here. Go and reach them where they are and affirm who they are in their lifestyle. You know what? But just don't push the gospel. Don't do that until they're ready. Uh Uh-uh. That's too offensive. Don't do that by any means. Just listen to them and try to understand their injustices. Do that. When you fully understand what they're going through, then you can better relate to them. You can better communicate to them. That's what you do. That's how you do it. No, the Apostle Paul didn't tell him to do that. Here's what Paul told him to do in verse 5. He tells him to, indeed, to be sober-minded, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. That is our third point. We must preach the word of God because we have a mission to complete. Timothy, stay on task. Finish what you've been appointed to do. That is what you need to do. Timothy is reminded to remain steady in his character, to be clear-minded, focused, sure, stable in all things. His ministry, his preaching, his example, he needs to prove to be a truth teller, not a fortune teller. Strive not to be a storyteller of fables, but a preacher of the word. Strive not to be an ear tickler, but a God fear. He is also to suffer trouble, hardships, trials, battles, the hard knocks of life. Suffer and endure them graciously and courageously. Do the work of one who bears and spreads the good news of Jesus Christ. Complete, fulfill, complete your mission. Finish the work God has called for you to complete. Like Timothy, we need to be sober-minded, meaning we need to be thinking rationally, clearly, full of truth, not being influenced by evil men and their thinking, not allowing even the culture to influence us, because we're not immune to it either. We need to watch that as well. 
Our minds are need not to be influenced by leery poisons of the mind and the philosophies of our day and given over to these myths, but rather we must think biblically and clearly and not being sorry for it. We need to be bold. Sometimes this can be difficult, but we need to do it. It is hard, but we need to do it. We must be willing to endure suffering and be willing to do so for the cause of Christ. It may cost us our jobs, our homes, and our reputations. It may cause us to be censored on social media and other platforms. It may cause us to lose family members or cause them to be hostile towards us. It may even cause us to lose our health or even our very life. Yet, despite this, we must endure this hardship. We must endure this hardship. 1 Timothy 3.12 says, Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Let us respond rightly and prepare for it. This is a sure promise to all who name the name of Christ as we preach God's word. So, as we prepare to close, in a land where darkness spreads and evil takes hold, the children and warriors of light take the message of Christ into all of life, fighting back, promoting repentance, holiness, and obedience through the land until the one who bears the light returns to make all things new. And how do they accomplish such things? They preach the word of God. Preaching the word of God involves the gospel. Preach the gospel and always use words. The gospel involves words always. Not just your actions, but your words. Preaching the word involves not just the salvific message, but Christ redeeming the universe and teaching all that Christ taught the apostles, the entire counsel of God from Genesis to Revelation. All of it. We much preach all of Christ and all of life to people everywhere, every home, every institution, to every man, whether it be poor, whether they be the destitute and to the rich, whether it's to men, women, children, house husbands and fathers, wives and mothers, sons and brothers, daughters and sisters, because all scripture trains us to be the people of God, conforming us to holiness and obedience in every sphere of life, no matter what our profession might be. We must preach until the whole world hears, and we will not stop until Jesus returns. We will continue to fight for the faith of our fathers, the faith of the apostles and prophets, all rooted in Jesus Christ, our Lord. We shall proclaim him now and henceforth to all people, whether they love or hate us. 
like the soldier who would accomplish his mission, even at the stake of his own life, to please those who commanded him. So we must be at work to complete the task set before us. So preach the word as you continue to serve and fulfill your God-given role and task in the home and in a church and in society. Remember the mission. Accomplish it with all of your might to the glory of God. Ephesians 6 teaches us that we are to take up our shield of faith, our belt of truth, our sword of the spirit, our sandals of the gospel, and breastplate of righteousness, and fight. For we are soldiers in God's army. We have been enlisted by the commander of the Lord's army, armed with his spirit, to fight against his most loathed adversary. Yet we tremble not for him, for lo, one little word shall fail him, for lo, his doom is sure. You here who name the name of Christ, ready yourselves for combat and remember your mission. Do not get weary of what Christ is accomplishing through you. Keep fighting, keep living, keep strong, and confident in our ruling Savior and Lord. Remember that he is the commander of the Lord's army and the head of his church, our Savior, Jesus Christ. And so then, my brethren, until the lion sleeps with the lamb, the child plays with the cobra, until all is restored to their beauty goodness from the beginning, until all creature and cloud dwell in harmony, until all nations come together under the banner of Christ, until Christ himself returns to reign and rule on earth, preach the word of God. Though the flower falls and the grass fades, the word of the Lord endures forever. Amen.